It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. Special episode today on camping. Why the Lucky Stiff's tiny web framework that could. Just over about a year old now. This idea came to me a few months ago when I was in Sydney, Australia. And amazingly, I went to the Sydney Ruby Brigade that night and someone who was giving a presentation on camping. What a perfect timing. I interviewed Miles Byrne about his little presentation framework that he had done. Happened in a noisy bar on the spot gonzo journalism. Here it is. Okay, so Jeffrey Grossenbach, Ruby on Rails podcast here in Sydney, Australia with Miles Byrne. You showed tonight a little demo of a uh, application that you wrote with camping. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, it's a it's a really tiny app that uses a, a DSL for marking up slides and converts them into an S5 presentation. Uh, S5 is the uh, sort of JavaScript app that um, Eric Meyer wrote to do slideshows in pure HTML. Uh, the app I wrote takes a uh, like a, a file format for defining slides in textile and turns them into an HTML presentation. And this is, you've got quite a quite a bit of functionality, you've got this little text file that you parse and this text file like you mentioned and, and uh, you've even got like a separate presenter display and how, how long was this, how many lines of camping code? Uh, the total lines of camping code is 125 lines but the, 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 present, the display for the presenter is actually part of S5, it's not part of my application. Okay, so the JavaScripts and the... It's just a, a, a new JavaScript window that binds to the existing window and, and counts how long that window's been running for. Okay, and you converted the S5 templates to Markaby so it work well with camping. Yeah, yeah. And uh, why did you decide to do that in camping instead of Rails? I mean, most people, that's kind of a complex application. What did you do in camping? Um... I didn't. I didn't need Active Record for any of it. Like, I guess if I had started with it in Rails, I would have immediately built a presentation model, then a slide module, then a you know presentation has many slides, and all of that's overkill. I'm kind of excited about DSL, so I thought, hey, you know, I could write a whole presentation in one file, write a little app that parses that up and turns it into a uh, a slideshow, and y you really don't need. Active Record for that kind of thing. So if you don't need Active Record, what's the smaller solution? And then you stumble upon capping, and, and that's it. And you put the actual presentation file can just be contained in a little directory. So in the future, you can even have like images and style sheets and stuff in there, right? Yeah, I um, I didn't have enough time to write the route that. Uh, it's really easy to write around in camping that looks at your the current presentation directory and pulls out the files for that so you can embed them in. Um, uh, what, I, what I would have liked to have done in that presentation is embed the actual presentation source in the presentation, which is possible with camping. So it would have been kind of cool. So how does camping make you feel when you're writing it? Do you feel one with why the lucky stiff? I don't think anyone could feel one with why. I think why is in a special place, um, but uh, but it, it really is an awesome little like web framework. You know, in my presentation I said it's like PHP for Ruby, and that's kind of what it is. Rails is Rails is really great for big applications where you really need to track down bugs and and get them right. Camping is really great for short scripts where you, you want to get something working and, and just enjoy it. 
Now, finally, you also wrote a little bit of uh, called DCSS, where you can uh, give a little bit more sensibility to CSS and subclasses and stuff like that. Use that within camping as well, too, right? And it's a real plugin. Tell, give us a little plug for that. Okay. Um, uh, DCSS is a uh, it's an extension to the to syntax of CSS. So uh, the one thing I didn't like about CSS is when you define a selector, like say you know hash some div, and then you you want to target a div that's a, a descendant of that div, you have to go hash some div, hash some other div, and and so on to, to keep targeting descendants. Um, if you end up doing that a lot, which most uh, CSS developers end up doing, um, you kind of end up repeating the, the parent divs over and over again. I, I just got inspired by Ruby blocks and how, how it does scoping, and so I, I wrote a, a syntax to allow you to scope uh, descendant selectors in CSS, and then I wrote a little Ruby script that parses that file and renders the normal CSS back out. Um, that's what it does. I include it in my presentation app because I think it's cool. I include it in every Rails app I write. It's a Rails plugin, and like, it just just makes the code simpler. I, I wouldn't. It's really simple plugin. It doesn't fail, so I use it in every app I use. Thanks, Miles, and I uh, hope you'll keep on camping. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. So special episode here on camping, talking to Chris Wanstroth about his app written in camping. Tell us a little bit about the cheat sheet app that you wrote. Well, it's basically a wiki or wiki written in camping, like you said. And the point is that anyone can add a cheat sheet or edit a cheat sheet there um, that they can then download later on in the command line or in TextMate or in Vim, wherever. The point being that I always used to forget what the actual migration methods were in Rails. So I figured if I could harness the uh, collective, I could get other people to figure it out for me and put it on the camping app, and then I could have it at my fingertips. Now, that's interesting you say that it's like a wiki, because that's the first thing when I, I thought when I started using it was that just that this feels a lot like a very interactive thing. You don't have to log in. Even if you make an edit, it doesn't show who edited or what the name was. Maybe you keep that on the back end, but you know, but it's not a web interface. You interact with the uh, command line. That's right. Um, the command line client itself, you can edit the wiki from, you can create new pages, you can check diffs from. So that's a little bit strange, but they both have, I think, a pretty rich functionality. It's basically just access versioned with some CSS. Now, why did you choose to do that in camping? Because I wanted to do it really quickly. I wanted it to be lightweight. The whole application is just one file, so it's really easy to keep it in my head and jump in there and make a quick change, especially because the scope was so small. I never really even thought about feeds or any of that stuff. I just wanted it to be able to edit and um, view cheat sheets. And there's nothing really kept on the back end. I don't watch IPs or keep stats. It's just what you see is what you get. But you keep the actual content of the wiki just in like a SQLite database or using another kind of database for that? I use uh, MySQL. To me, the command line is surprisingly powerful. And a lot of things that I've done recently that I made a web interface for originally, 
I've gone backwards and made an API for it, and I just use it from the command line, which seems a lot faster and simpler. Did you start with this as a website, or do you always think it was going to be from the uh, command line interface as well? It was just going to be command line only at the beginning. I was working on an app, and I really wanted to have to quit looking up migrations and the STRF time um, right. code. So, yeah, that's really just what I wanted. And the web app kind of just happened when I thought that um, that would be the best way to get a lot of people to contribute. And it seems to have worked out pretty well. I like the fact, too, that in the gem itself, you include the full code for the camping app. So I guess if somebody wanted it to, they could start up their own server and run this separately. There could. There was a patch submitted to let you run your own server and feed in um, host and port information to the client so that, in theory, anyone could run their own server and their own client. But um, I don't think I really got around to applying that yet. But, yeah, anyone can run their own. Anyone can develop on it. Everything's just right there in the gem. It's full package. Now, here's two other things I noticed I thought it was interesting. One is you just use YAML for the data going back and forth, not XML at all. Was that just because you knew it was going to be fully in Ruby on each side? Well, you know, other apps can do uh, YAML as well. But why did you choose YAML instead of XML? There's a few points where I just print out the YAML, and it's, it's so readable, and it's Ruby. So it was just a lot easier to grab the YAML from the web app and print it out than it would have been to grab XML from the web app, parse it, and then print that out. Plus, the YAML library is so much easier to use than the rexml or any of those definitely also i noticed that you're using quite a few web services in there even for the captchas you're using a, a web service on ruby forge or something like that to to validate the captchas i thought that was an interesting idea yeah um there's some spam measures in place right now for instance if you try and submit a cheat sheet with a a href in it, it just flat out rejects it, and other things like that. But as people started linking to the site, I was getting an overwhelming amount of spam, or um, there would be these ghost edits where suddenly a cheat sheet would have 300 revisions, but there were no changes because, I guess, spammers were trying to submit. So I wanted to add a CAPTCHA or some sort of identity enforcement without creating user accounts, and it just so happened that I saw the CAPTCHAder post um, from the guy who did the, the Ruby form gateway to the mailing list. And it's super simple to use, and uh, it's worked out great. Spam has gone completely. And, you know, you enter it in once, it sets this little session cookie, and you don't have to enter it in again. And um, I don't know, it's, it's really nice. It's really easy to use. And I really like the web service angle that he took because I didn't have to download and convert, like, a Rails plugin to a camping plugin. I could just do it over the web. And where's that service located? Uh, it's capchader.com. I don't really know how to say it. Okay. Another thing I noticed, the CSS that you used for the actual wiki, it almost seemed like you're some kind of hierarchical CSS in there. Did you use the DCSS or some other kind of plugin for CSS? No, I just, I just, uh, I did it by hand. And an interesting thing about the CSS was when I originally wrote the app, um, the CSS was an action that was being called. And I had some kind of weird, I don't know, I want to say locking issue, but I don't think so, where the page would just never load for, because it was waiting for the CSS or something. So 
what I ended up doing was just uh, embedding the CSS in every single page request, which works out okay because the source is so small. But yeah, I didn't end up using any sort of um, builder for the CSS itself, not like the market be for HTML. Okay. But the nice part is since the CSS is just a string, I was able to assign all the colors to variables and then reuse them throughout the CSS, which is kind of a neat little touch. So if I wanted to change all the blues, I could just do it in one spot, which I know all the hardcore designer guys have been clamoring for in CSS proper for a long time. So that was kind of fun. Ah, since it's all generated and spit out by Ruby, even though you weren't using any kind of builder, you could just use Ruby variables right there in the CSS. Right. Well, one final thing did working on this and doing it in camping, did it give you any insight into why the lucky stiff as a person, his mind, where he's going? I think he's a little bit crazier having worked in camping than I previously thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a unique take on web apps, the API and everything. And there's definitely a lot of things he did just for the sake of doing them, just for the aesthetics, just for the, uh, the way it looks, which is very cool and very crazy. It's amazing what you can discover if you hunt for it. Someone wrote in from Fog Creek Software. You might remember a couple of months ago there was a little fiasco where Joel Spolsky made a few comments about his concerns about Rails. Well, amazingly, they're using camping. So special episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast talking about camping today, talking with Michael Gorsuch of Fog Creek Software, doing a interesting internal project with camping. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, well, I can't talk a whole lot about the uh, application, but I can say it's an unannounced product that is going to put us somewhat into the hosting business. And my application, I'm the sysadmin at Fog Creek Software, actually. And my application will interface between the, the main product and the uh, DNS servers. So uh, basically, if the application needs to, um, if the main product needs to update or create or delete any uh, DNS records, um, this application will handle that. And is there an actual web interface or at one point you mentioned maybe it was just a web service or at least had that component too Mm -hmm. Um, essentially what i did is i wrote just a really a really simple clean library to uh, manage the the bind zone files and and make the specific updates that i need to be made and then i used um, camping as basically a wrapper so that I can provide very, very simple, clean uh, URLs to each one of these, uh, fun, uh, each one of these methods, so that the the main application could just call um, call the URL uh, and call say slash update or slash exists or slash create or destroy as needs be, and it will return uh, XML back to the application so it it know what's uh, what's what the result was. So why did you choose to do that in camping instead of maybe a full-blown Rails app or something more native to other technologies that were going to use it? Number one, like I've, I've been a, a big Ruby fan for a long, long for for a long time. I'd say almost two years. I've been uh, using Ruby on the side for for just a, having a lot of fun with it. Um, I like camping. I think it's quick. 
uh, it, it's just so easy to get a very simple website up. I, it just it just does not take much work to do that. And um, the since everything's uh, since I'm using Bind, everything needs to run off of Unix. Um, of course, Ruby and Camping and all that runs very nicely off of that platform. So it just it just seemed like a, a no brainer to to get this done quickly. Now, I'm sure this is going to take the Ruby community by storm because a couple weeks or a month ago, Joel had an article about how maybe Rails wasn't a good way to go and maybe there are some questions about that. So it's kind of shocking to get an email from you and hear that that was Ruby's actually being used internally. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you know, uh, I, I'm not saying that, that Ruby is, is the uh, is the glue that holds Fog Creek together, <laughs> but uh, but we're using it for um, I'm using it for this particular application. It might be used more in the future. I can't really say. I don't really know, but it, it works perfect. It's the perfect tool for this job. So there there's been no resistance to it at all. So we can't expect that there's a uh, maybe a component of Wasabi that's going to output camping code. Is that in development? <laughs> no, I, w I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be waiting for that. So, working on this, did this give you any insight into why the lucky stiff, how he thinks, who he is as a person, what kind of apps he likes to write? <laughs> well, my uh, j everything that just seems so uh, attractive about the camping framework is just like there's this weird black magic behind it all you know just all the the really nice uh meta programming that, that he's done behind the scenes and uh i find that really interesting um, because that's definitely something i'm trying to trying to uh, get a better grip on and do more of uh but but just that plus uh uh is, is just amazing in itself it's just you i i don't really know what more to say than it's just a uh uh, it's a pretty amazing framework, and I hope Y keeps pumping this kind of stuff out. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention this morning, you sent out a little list to the camping mailing list and said you had a personal app, a kind of a dream journal app called Dream Ledger. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, that, that all just started. I, uh, I, I, I've had this thing lately where I've been like, oh, man, I need to write down my dreams. I don't know. It might be kind of cool to go back and uh, look at those down the road or something like that. It's just it's just kind of a personal itch. So finally I, I, I just said, okay, let's let's do it. So I spent like um, I spent maybe like a, a week or so just in some spare time scratching it out on paper and whatnot. And then um, Monday – I was home because I had worked through the previous night to do some upgrades, and uh, so I just wrote the app. I just wrote it, wrote it all up, and camping really, really fast, and seems to be working. It's uh, <laughs> it's running production right now, and it's 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 holding itself together really well. So, it, it again, again, just a lot of credit goes to the camping framework because I was able to just put it out with with no problems whatsoever. Well, good stuff. Well, thanks for telling us about what you're doing and it'll be exciting when so at some point the world will find out about this super secret app that is in development is a couple weeks or further out uh give it a give it a couple months okay Two, give it a, give it a few months i'd say all right well thanks a lot michael
All right, thank you. Even though camping may only fill four kilobytes on disk, it's too big for one episode of the podcast, so part two next time. In the meantime, check out the Mountain West Ruby Conference happening March 16th and 17th in Salt Lake City. Only $50 to attend. You can find links and all the details from podcast.rubyonrails.org. This has been the Ruby on Rails podcast. Music by Wild Lucky Stiff. Equipment by Samson Audio. Other expenses paid for by Peep Code Screencasts.